Welcome to Campfire, connecting primary producers. Campfire provides a solution-focused community for farmers and fishers to improve work systems and support mentally healthy workplaces. When most people retire, it means that they no longer need to go into their workplace. What though if you live on the place that you work? G'day, I'm Drew Radford and that's a conundrum faced by many farmers. So how then can they retire but continue to live on the land they love? A person who's part of a team that's been pondering this and indeed has come up with a solution is Sam Marwood from Cultivate Farms. Sam, thanks for joining us around the campfire. Oh, always great to chat around the campfire. Sam, on your website, it says our message to retiring farmers is that you don't have to sell and walk away from your farm. They can stay on their farm, keep involved in farming and be a key player in rejuvenating their community. Where's this come from, Sam? I guess like most ideas, it's trying to solve a problem for yourself and that's what myself and Tim and Tegan Hicks, the co-founders, we want to own our farm coming as next generation farmers, but our parents weren't going to give it to us. And so we've spent many years trying to figure out, well, how does someone start from scratch to own a farm? And we've realised, well, on the other side of that, a farmer's leaving or wanting to retire, but not necessarily wanting to get off the property. So we've been thinking, well, what if we just match those two sides of the equation and help retiring farmers to say, well, if you want to step back, there are great next generation farmers who would love to share ownership and have the same values. Well, let's just match you up and help you find those people and have a win-win outcome. That's a really interesting insight because we talk so much about succession planning, but succession planning obviously is not part of your option at the moment. So you're really trying to reinvent the process from another angle, I guess for farmers who don't have succession planning for their next generation as an option either. That's right, on both sides of the coin, you know, doctors never are born as a doctor and become a doctor, you know, they always will work their way into it and how do we encourage the next generation if you don't grow up on a farm and aren't going to inherit to say, if you want to own your farm, it's still possible. Doing it on your own to buy a farm is probably almost impossible, but if you partner with somebody, i.e. a retiring farmer, it is absolutely possible and earn your way in over time. And that idea from the other end with the retiring farmers of being able to sell out of the farm slowly over time or at a portion to someone that you really value and who wants to learn from you is a great solution for many. You've got a strong community connection in everything that you're saying. This is not just a financial transaction. This is about maintaining connection with the land, but it's bigger than that. You're talking about the community beyond the farm gate. Yeah, you know, our big driver is to rejuvenate regional communities, and we think the inability to own farms for the next generation is a, a big reason why many leave. But if we can show to people that you can own your farm, then we can keep and attract many good people. And at the centre of that is if we can get retiring farmers just to think, just to think about sharing ownership. So it's either you hand it on to your kids, you sell it, or you share ownership. If we can add that as a third component, we just don't think there'll be any issue in the future with the regional decline. It'll be those portion of farmers who say, yep, I'm happy to back a next-gen farmer onto the land, and that would create a supply of farms and create enough momentum for the next generation to go, well, maybe there is hope that I could own a farm and I'm going to stick at it. And to get more next-generation farmers to keep older farmers on the land, that's got to be good for the community. That's got to be good for people going into the cafes and, and buying from town and the supply chain and the footy clubs. So we think 
think we are really working on a problem here that can be so, so beneficial to regional communities. And the other thing is everyone knows their community. Everyone can be those matchmakers. Everyone can make those connections. And this isn't really that complex. It's just about connecting people together to see if they can find an arrangement to work together around a farm. It's a really interesting approach too because without finding somebody to hand the property on, the other option is, I suppose, corporatisation of the farm, which is happening in a big way in Australia. And more often than not, that does not feed into a local community all that well. Well, well that's right. And you know, we're, we're happy for there to be many different options on how farms are bought and sold and transitioned. I think we just want to push this as a, an exciting alternative. And in, in fact, this was the norm in the, the day before banks and um, big investment came along. It's vendor finance and transitioning. If it wasn't your family, you would do some sort of vendor finance. So I don't don't think we're necessarily against corporate farming. I think we just want to highlight that if you're a community champion or a farmer, just to know there are alternatives to selling to anybody, whether that's a corporate or the next door neighbour. There is a way that you can stay involved and share your knowledge and support your community by keeping people on the land. So really for us, it's just about creating options and showing people there are three or four or five different things, not just one or two options for how you ensure your legacy for your farm and your family. Briefly then, what are some of those pathways to bring on another generation and what's your role in that as well? So there's many pathways and there's lawyers and accountants who can work through those details and that's not our area of focus. Ours is to let you know there are so many arrangements, you know, leasing, lease to buy, share farming, vendor finance, collaborative farming, joint venture equities. The list can be much longer than that as well. So these are like the technical legal arrangements to ensure a transfer of ownership or share in the management or ownership of land. Those technical arrangements, we used to get hung up on them when we first started out. But we've realised that all you as the farmer need to know is that there are solutions. There are technical, legal solutions to transfer ownership. The hardest thing is to find someone you're willing to share with. And that's where we come in. So we're about focusing on the next generation to encourage them and say, you know, this dream to own a farm, it's not crazy. It's possible and we've got many case studies and it's happened for generations. You can be starting from nothing and and own your farm. It just requires that you'll need a partner. So what are you doing to be a good farmer? Get out there, work hard. Have you built relationships in your community? Have you been a bit of a community champion? Do you understand financial model? Do you know how to run a farm? Have you got a proposal? You know, go through all those things. Are you good enough basically and get ready And at the other side, we work with retiring farmers who come to us and and are intrigued by the idea of ageing on farm and sharing their farm with kids that aren't their own and just helping them think through everything they want to do. We've got an ageing on farm guide that is free to download for anyone in the world, which helps step through everything you should think about, one of them being sharing ownership to give case studies and, and help people think this through clearly and then once both parties, once you know, we've got more retiring farmers, once we've got more next-gen farmers, then it just increases the pool to get a better chance of having a match of people who share the same values and like the idea of farming on that bit of dirt together. So most of our effort is around matchmaking. And then once people are being matched together, then they can go off with their lawyers and accountants and family and figure out the specific arrangement that suits them, which again, there are so many different arrangements. And that's what we're trying to tell people. Don't get focused on the technical, just figure out what you want, what your family want, and then try and find the right people that you're willing to share with. So you're creating the resources and and the guides and information, but you're also acting as what a a meeting place you're trying to actually 
align people that you think, oh, this person might work well with that farmer that wants to transition out? Is that what you're doing as well? Yeah, well, we thought about calling this eFarmony <laughs> as a, you know, a dating type website, but um, it was a bit too corny. But that's ultimately what it is. It's And everyone tries to match their friends together because they think they might like each other, got the same values. And it's the same sort of thing here. How do you find people who farm in the same sort of way or have the same sort of attitude? And it's not for us to decide whether that's the case. It's purely how do we get them to have a phone call and then a coffee and then meet on farm and, and do it over time. So it's just holding their hand, getting rid of the awkwardness around ownership. There is something really awkward in discussions when you're talking about sharing ownership and we try to get rid of that from day dot. Yep, this is about sharing ownership. All right, we've got that out of the road. Now, do we like each other? And you know, could we imagine working together for many years? And that takes time and coffees and cups of tea and, and lots of discussions. And that's sort of where we leave it to those both parties to, to figure out if they like each other. You and your partners are doing quite a bit there. How do people find out more about the information and also get involved in this introductory process? We have a website, so cultivatefarms.com is the website and on there you can download these documents whether you're an aspiring farmer we have a pitching template you can download and just start clarifying why you are a good farmer and use that document to go to retiring farmers or local investors and the same thing for retiring farmers you can download our aging on farm guide and start working through it yourself with your family and have a think a lot of what we're trying to do is just get people to think think a bit differently, change their mindset, know there are options. And then if you want to go further, you can give us a call and we can help work out what might be a a good thing for you. Retiring farmers do load their farm on our website and we put that in front of our farmers and then just continually hunting for the right farmer. But again, people can just do it themselves and we're just excited to know people are finding this useful and to go away with their family and and think about it themselves. That's probably the ultimate. We, We want communities to be rejuvenated and that starts by one farm and then the next farm and it's just encouraging people to think a little bit differently. In some ways it probably is easier to walk away, to sell and walk away. That could be an outcome and that's definitely one for many but for those farmers who want something a bit different, we're just saying yeah, there are alternatives and an outcome that could align with your vision that you've had for your farm since you've had it and and your family have had it that um, someone could carry that legacy on. So jump on our website. We have a lot of also social media and YouTube videos, but we've tried to just get as much content as we can online so people can just browse and, and digest ideas and ponder it with their family. That's Sam Marwood from Cultivate Farms. Ageing in any community has its own unique set of circumstances. Concerningly, for older men in rural environments, it's showing up as a disproportionate number of them taking their own lives. Disturbingly, it's twice the national average. Dr Kylie Cernick-Georgeson became aware of this while studying the psychological health of older adults. It was a revelation that became the topic of her doctoral studies, specifically retirement pathways, mental well-being and suicidal behaviour in older rural Australians. For Kylie, though, there's also a personal link, as her grandfather was forced off the land. My grandfather was an orchardist, so he had lived all his life on a farming property southwest of Sydney, and then... He had to sell his property for financial reasons in the mid-70s and then he was very lucky, i say one of the lucky ones, who was able to sell his farm in time, make enough money to then move into town 
and then successfully gain employment working as a maintenance officer for a local high school, using the skills that he'd learnt on the farm and also supporting the family financially and keeping his identity going as a farming person in the local community. I just thought that, that he was very lucky but I think that it was it was just very fortuitous for him to be able to have done that and I know that there are many others that haven't been able to do that or it hasn't worked the way they wanted it to. There was a couple of key phrases that came out in your description of what he went through and one of them that stood out to me was he was able to maintain his sense of identity in the farming community. Mm. Might sound like a small phrase to a lot of people but that sense of purpose and sense of identity I imagine can be extremely powerful and important and a fundamental reason to almost get out of bed. Absolutely that intrinsic motivator that that identity of who we are or what we represent when we walk out the door our understanding of ourselves is very much key to improving both our physical and psychological health. It's very, very important. And and when people have been made redundant, a number of people in my study actually were made redundant. They were close to retiring age and they just said that complete shut off, that complete loss of who I was yesterday and who am I now? I don't even know who I am. And that's part of the study was also looking at retirement pathways, how people do retire well and what they sort of think is is a, not such a good retirement. It's an intrinsic motivator and it's something that helps us to understand who we are at whatever age. But when we're going through a transition period, either younger people entering the workforce, not knowing who they are, or people leaving the workforce, not understanding who they are. When I say the workforce, I am acknowledging that, that a lot of people do work and live in the same area, which comes with its own particular stressors living and working on the same property but there are also people in rural areas that live and work inside the town as well so just having that sense of identity is extremely important and being able to create a a new identity finding a new you is actually of paramount importance when it comes to retiring well or just even transitioning into that workforce thinking about retirement Essential to this discussion, Kyle, is primary producers who want to transition out of running the property full time, but still want to stay on the land. But there's a whole range of stuff that's around that in terms of letting go of control. And first and foremost, I'd imagine safety as well. Doing certain operations as a 35-year-old versus a 75-year-old are two different things. Yeah, look, I I absolutely agree. I think that safety wherever you are is important as you're ageing. And I think that one of the concerns that people do have is that their son or daughter doesn't want to take over the property. So they can't teach them things that they wanted to teach them. And so then they are isolated and they're out there doing things on their own. One important thing is to keep connecting with your network, connect with your friends. You've got people coming into the property you know, to talk about your cattle or to have a look at your produce to those experts, they become the people that you talk to on the land. And one thing that is really good is just to be able to have, if you're able to, as an older person, if your partner is still with you, your wife or your husband is still there, then have those conversations about how you're feeling about the property. Are you managing things? Is there anything that you just don't think you're 
getting to during that the week and maybe if there's the financial capability to bring on a farmhand that would then also be able to help you as well. Psychological safety I think is as important as physical safety Drew and being able to understand not every older person has depression. Depression is not a normal part of aging and if you're feeling unable to cope overwhelmed, anxious, it's difficult managing a farm and thinking about all of those things, it's possibly good to get somebody to have a talk to around, you know, maybe even a financial counsellor or even talking to a rural counsellor as well. So there are a number of supports out there, people that they can actually speak to that can come to the property to have a talk and to see what's happening and give you some support and I guess understanding that's not actually a weakness, that's actually a strength to be able to acknowledge where you're at. Let's make a plan. How can I manage this better? You also mentioned there having those discussions with your partner and or your family, because sometimes this might not be a planned transition. Sadly, people have medical episodes which can change their life in a hurry. I think that's a really good point, Drew. Talking and planning prior to... You know, even if you look at 10 years before you're thinking about like what's happening, I might be able to sell the farm in a number of years or, you know, maybe somebody seems interested and let's just let's create a situation and a plan for the future of plan A, plan B, however many plans you need. But my suggestion is also to get some financial advice and some practical advice as to what that sort of looks like and talk to others, others that have done it as well. You know, the Department of Primary Industries, they have transitional consultants that you can speak to about transitioning off the farm as well. So there are a number of those links that we've put into the um, website for the campfire discussion as well that would hopefully be helpful for people also to connect with those professionals that do this every day. And they can also help you learn from other people's experiences also. Kylie, often the focus is on men when it comes to retirement transitions in farm families. Are there any particular issues around women ageing on the farm? Uh, Yes, my study also included females as well. And one thing that seemed to protect the women who were still working on the properties and some were also living in town as well is that they had children, grandchildren, but they also had sort of external interests outside of work as well. So they were perhaps because of their um, connection with the children's schools, they may have had PNF meetings or they may have just been helping at the local fete or in a particular sewing or quilting group or just cooking or preparing for the local show. We know these things take many months to prepare. So that sort of social interaction was one of the protective factors. One of the risk factors for women was that the interesting part of the group of women that I interviewed, they had all been made redundant. It seemed like they were a lot more expendable in the workforce than the males. Now, that's probably a culture of whatever was their particular industry. But three of the women that I interviewed, they had all been made redundant. And it was like, well, you're almost close to retirement anyway, so you'll be fine. The main thing that they all said was, as soon as I finished work, I didn't know what to do with myself. I didn't know how to do it. I didn't know how to not work. I'd done it for so many years. 
they also sort of offered some advice I did ask them did they have any advice for younger people and who were looking at retiring and they gave me some fantastic pieces of advice I'm happy to share with you if you're interested Drew. Of course I'm interested what are a couple of key bits of advice you took away from those women who had been in those situations? Well, actually, the women predominantly just said to plan early. So to plan for retirement early, to have a look at your finances and to get your health in order. They did notice that their health deteriorated rapidly after retirement. And the males in the study, there were a few of them that did say, speak to a financial consultant and start to include social activities in your day-to-day life before you actually start to retire. So start increasing your social networks, even if it's contacting your family more often, just to actively move into that sort of not that I want to use the retirement headspace, for lack of a better word, because I know that when people retire, they actually become more active. They become more interested in the world around them. They're a lot less focused on what they were doing, that one particular thing for a job. But living on a property, you're still exposed to that environment and those environmental triggers, which means, generally speaking, they don't actually ever specifically retire. And hopefully they shouldn't either because the people around them should be able to utilise them for the expertise of the knowledge that they've had of that particular area for 50, 60 years, some 70 years. So I think it's actually a key level of importance is for others to acknowledge that level of knowledge that the person has and respect that and encourage them to tap into that. That has a twofold effect of helping the person who is transitioning out of work to still have, as we've already talked about, Drew, that level of identity, that level of self-respect, that understanding of where they fit into the community. But it also helps younger people to understand and to have that respect of that mentor. If there's one lasting thought you would like to leave with listeners, what would it be? One thing that I think is really important is to acknowledge that if you're feeling different physically, psychologically, just talk to a person about it that you trust. Find a person and if that person sort of fobs you off a little bit, go to another person. Speak to a GP. So this is not normal for me. I usually feel stronger than this. There's something happening for me. My knee's really playing up a lot. I really need to get somebody to look at it. And it's not the end of the road if you speak to somebody. It's actually the beginning of a, a just a different road that's usually stronger and healthier for you rather than just ignoring it because we know there is a bunker style mentality of people they just stick their head in the sand and keep doing things the way they've always done it and that does lead to detrimental effects like it does cause things to to get worse and the longer you leave it the longer it's going to take for you to get back to your strong self and aging on the farm is not about becoming weak it's actually just if you can age well then you're strong and you're able to support others and mentor other people and there are benefits of living in a rural area because it's fresh air it's a good community it's a great culture there's a safety element around it yourself so living out in a rural area has a lot of benefits and it's really good to acknowledge that as well 
Dr. Kylie Cernick-Georgeson, thank you for your insights. With an ageing farming population, they're more important than ever. And thank you for joining us for this Campfire podcast. Oh, thank you for the opportunity, Drew. And uh, I certainly think that the Campfire podcasts are fantastic and the discussions online are great and they're doing an amazing job over there. And if more people can watch and interact, I think that'd be better. It'll just be fantastic. The bigger it gets, it's great. Thank you for listening to the Campfire podcast. For more information regarding Campfire, please visit the National Centre for Farmer Health website. All information is accurate at the time of release. This podcast was developed by the National Centre for Farmer Health and is funded by the Victorian State Government's WorkSafe Work Well Mental Health Improvement Fund.